Welcome to the Branding with Video podcast, your one-stop shop to take your brand to the next level. If you're ready to learn the best tips and tricks in the industry to dominate your brand and become legendary, you've come to the right place. So strap in, listen up, and let's do this. Welcome to the Branding with Video podcast, where we help you to leverage YouTube to build your business, position yourself as the expert in your field, and to get paid doing what you love. Whether you want to listen to experts who have built successful businesses and scaled them with social media, or it's solo shows where I just drop as much value as I possibly can. If you want to use YouTube to stand out in your industry, this is the podcast for you. Today, we are talking about the top three mistakes that I made on YouTube uh, when I first started and help you to uh, to avoid those mistakes, because these are... These are common mistakes. These are mistakes that I feel like far too many people recommend for others. And while they do get results, the problem is that long-term, these are not great solutions. Long-term, these don't get the results that you're looking for. And so in order to make sure that you are able to continue to grow and not make, not make the mistakes that I did and not face the problems that I am right now and have in the past, I want to share with you the top three mistakes that I've made and uh, to how to avoid them. So number one, I'm going to assume that you're either just starting on YouTube, you've started within the past year or two, and you're just not getting the traction that you want, or that maybe you've been doing this for a couple of years and you're noticing that other channels have grown faster than you. They are farther ahead in the journey and there's not a good reason in your opinion why they should be that much further ahead than you because there are a couple of things that I've, I've seen here and I've actually done a lot of research onto you know into some of these mistakes that I've made to see others who have made the same mistakes and sometimes these mistakes don't catch up with them for a while in fact there was one channel and we'll, we'll talk about this that um, they hit 100,000 subscribers before these problems really started to show you know how bad it was and there were issues along the way but when they hit that point that's when it was really really bad so the mistakes that we're going to talk about are uh, are very common are there don't feel bad if you're making those mistakes this is not something to say hey you know, you're a bad person you're not doing this right or uh, you're you're a screw-up most people make these mistakes and they're very very common so let's hop into it so the number one mistake is promoting your content and this one is kind of odd when you hear me say this because I know that that you want to get more views. I know, like I say, I, I I'm in that boat. You want to get more people that enjoy your content, see it, and you want YouTube to just have your video go viral. You want you want it out there. And the problem with you promoting your content, and there's a few ways to do this. We'll, we'll cover those. But the problem with you promoting your content is you are feeding artificial data to YouTube. You are telling YouTube what it is that you want it. To know and you're honestly giving it the wrong information and just not knowing it to be honest so the problem here is not that you want more views the problem is not that you're doing your very best to, to kind of push push your content along but let, let, let's think about this logically for a little bit um, I did a, a video recently on the YouTube channel talking about in fact it was a live stream talking about how the YouTube algorithm works just Basically, there were a lot of good videos that have come out recently from other creators that I, I know, like, and trust. And I wanted to share some of the examples that they shared, and it just made it so easy. And so I, I do have that that video there if you want to watch it. Uh, but very briefly, let's cover this. Essentially, you know, if you have you know this blank space when you are creating, you know, your your audience, you have to tell YouTube. Hey, you know, you draw your, your circle in the sand, so to speak. This, anyone inside of this area is my audience. And if you can do that, YouTube can say, okay, well, he's drawn this circle. He, you, know, you I, I say he, I'm thinking of myself, he or she, um, you know, 
anyone who has created a channel, you've drawn the circle in the sand and you need to do a very, very good job of teaching YouTube that inside of this circle is where your audience lies. And sometimes it'll evolve, it'll change. And you might not know exactly where those people fall, but the thing is, the better you can do this at the beginning, the faster your content can improve, can increase, and will get recommended by YouTube. And we'll talk about why that's important here in a second. So you've drawn this circle in the sand, and now you need to create content that's within that circle. And I would say create content that's at the very center of that circle first, because when you're first starting especially, YouTube is going to test your content with a lot of different people. And so, you know, for example, we'll use, um, maybe let's use my first channel that I ever created. It was muscular style, it was style for muscular men. And, uh, you know, I created clothing reviews and, um, you know, workout tips, tricks, things like that. And it was, it worked really, really well. Cause my first few videos, my first 10, I'll have to pull the channel, 10 or 15 videos or so were, you know, shoe reviews. I have white feet, you know, that's an odd thing. And I, I was really excited when I figured it out because I was finally able to find shoes that fit me well. And you know, it was, it was very different and that's just fine because the thing with that is that I was excited about it. It was something I had passion for and it came across in my videos. Well, my first videos, it really did not come across. You can, you can go find those and watch those if you want. They're, they're so terrible. I've very much contemplated taking them down. Um, I, I think you should leave your first content up so you can watch it and see how far you've come. But when I watch it, I just, it's not even cringe worthy. It's just, I, I it not even, it, it's not view worthy, but it has a lot of views because the value is there in what I'm talking about, in the knowledge that I'm sharing and just in my passion for what I'm talking about. So, um, I believe the first video I ever did on YouTube was, well, first one I've ever recorded. I actually did upload, you know, a video in 2008, but that's, that's a story for a different time. Um, but it was the first video that I ever did on YouTube. And, you know, I, I just loved it. It was about leather boots and I was excited. I was excited to be on YouTube. I was excited to be doing something that I thought I had a pretty good passion for. I wasn't sure at the time, not, not nearly like I am now, um, but it was, it was the start of something amazing. And so, you know, that, that passion came across, it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the, the picture quality and everything's not, but it, it does get a lot of views. And so when I made that video, what I did was I said, okay, well, I want this to be shown to as many people as possible. I've drawn this circle in the sand and I've, you know, I'm kind of placing this, and this video wasn't quite at the center of what I was doing. You know, I was trying to do shirts and pants and things for muscular men, but a lot of guys who work out, who are really good at working out, uh, tend to have white feet, which is, you know, actually come to find a common problem for people like that. So, you know, it worked, it worked really well and it would test this content. It would go around and say, okay, here's the audience. Okay. It actually did fairly well. Okay. Here's the audience. Okay. That did. Okay. And the problem with what I did was as it's testing and gathering this data inside of my circle, I now go to Facebook and I say, Hey, mom, dad, friends, you know, high school friends, you know, random acquaintances that I actually don't really know that well. All of you go watch this video, please. It would really help me out. And so they all go watch it. And now YouTube is saying, oh, we've got this person over here that doesn't like men's clothing watching this. And they're interested in it because they finished the video and they liked the video. Oh, wait, now we have this one over here again, outside of the circle. And they're not interested in the same thing any of the people have watched. And you're now confusing the YouTube algorithm. You're now telling the YouTube algorithm that 
hey, all of these people like my content, which when you're Mr. Beast or, you know, creating content that is much more generally and widely accepted or entertaining, that's absolutely great to do. But for most of us, if we are, you know, following good advice in, you know, solving a specific question or, you know, providing value for a specific person, which, you know, again, we have, we have talked about on the YouTube channel. I need to do a, a full podcast on this, but um, really the thing here is that you're confusing it. You're no longer teaching the YouTube algorithm. You're just throwing random data everywhere. And it's false data because if any one of those other people had have happened upon your video and just had, a, you know, for whatever reason, clicked it, normally they would have left and they would have told YouTube, Hey, people that, you know, you know, this, you know, woman in her forties who likes this type of content really doesn't like this video. And that's good data because that is accurate data. And then this guy over here, you know, in his twenties, who likes dirt bikes and he didn't like that video either. Okay, cool. So we, we've learned a few things and you know, like it's what you need to do is teach the algorithm. And so those people, because you shared it on Facebook and you asked for help, you asked them to support you. They say, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll go watch it. I'll go play it. And they do. And you get really terrible data. And the problem with that is that now it's going to take even longer for YouTube to be able to show your content to the right person for YouTube to figure out who is your ideal audience, because it was getting good data until you went in and messed it up. And it, you're not trying to mess it up. The thing is here that you're actually trying to help. You're, you're doing the best that you can. This is exactly what I did. And, um, you know, as I'm talking here, I'm just pulling up some of my, my videos. I, I really want to see kind of where this started for me and, uh, see if I can figure out uh, what it looked like. But the thing here is that because you did that now, it's going to take longer for you to grow. Now it's going to take longer for the YouTube algorithm to really understand who is your ideal audience, what is going on and, um, how, how it can, it can find the right people. Um, I'm looking here and I believe, let's see. So this video, the, the first video I ever did, the, uh, <laughs> it was on boots. The first seven days, I got 192 views. Almost all of those were because I shared the video and, um, you know, because I, I, you know, asked for support and the video actually did grow slowly, um, for the first, it's looking like four months or so. Um, but something happened after those four months and the video started to take off and it's at a much steeper incline of views. And today it's, I mean, I haven't posted on this channel in quite a while, kind of have let it die because I have so much other things going on, but it has 4,243 views. And it is not a video I wish 4,243 people to have watched because it, it really is not great. Um, but that's okay because I, I was, I was doing my best. I did the best with what I had and that's, that's perfectly fine. You know, I, I go through some of these other videos and I just wanted to take a look here, but some of these older ones actually did fairly well, you know, 4,000 views, 7,000 views, 16,000 views. Um, but it didn't happen that way initially. And the reason it didn't happen that way initially is because I artificially inflated some of that. And I'm looking at my graph here and it, it's pretty flat for a while. And that's, that is normal for when you're first starting. But the thing is it, it could take off faster. It could do better if you were to appropriately teach the algorithm. And if you were to do the things that you needed to that way. And so that first mistake really is 
promoting your content, but not just promoting your content, you know, pushing it to the wrong people. And likely, you know, my thought, and this was true for me, if you don't have an audience built around the thing that you're talking about, don't share the content there. Really, really do not. In fact, there's, um, you know, in, if you're watching us on Amazon, there's a small carousel of products and I'm not really going to talk about too much of these, but in there I did put the YouTube secrets book. Um, this is by Daryl Eves. If you don't know who Daryl Eves is. He has an incredible YouTube channel. Uh, he has a lot going on, so he doesn't make a ton of content. He does live stream about once a month or so. Uh, but this book, YouTube secrets, if you haven't read it, you absolutely need to, if you want to be successful on YouTube, it's, can you be successful without it? Yes but it will allow you to understand so many things that will just allow you to be successful. I'm, I've listened to it once. I'm re-listening to it for a second time. Actually, I already listened to you know about an eighth of it for a second time because there are some specific parts in there I needed to hear more than once. Um, but I think I've decided, I, I normally listen to about 100 books a year, and I think what I've decided is to, uh, to pick 12 and just kind of rotate through them. And that way it's one book a month on average, and I can just kind of pull out all the nuggets. And this book... 100% is going to make that list because it is by far the most fantastic book on YouTube I've ever found, listened to, read. I'm sure I know there are others, but um, I haven't haven't listened to them all just yet. Uh, but this one is fantastic. So I'm um, actually I'm going to put a link to that video in the show notes. Uh, if you don't have Audible, you can get a free free version of it, free audio version. If you do have Audible, you'll just have to use a credit or buy it or however you want to do that. But back to back to this. Don't don't push your content artificially. Now this also does apply in running Google ads and different things like that. One thing that is not commonly talked about is the fact that, you know, you, Google owns YouTube and Google ads can run YouTube videos as ads. And those videos, you know, you see them if you unless you pay for a premium, you see them all the time. And they're absolutely fantastic as far as you know, getting people to your lead magnet, as far as getting people to your website, as far as doing different things like that. The problem is that they are not fantastic for growing an audience. And I have, so I've taken Google ads courses, expensive courses, as well as, you know, as well as, well as uh, mentorship programs and groups and all of the other things, you know, I, I've, I've done so very much that way. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars to learn the things that I know. And, you know, it's it's not easy um, learning and, and getting to the point that, that I'm at. And uh, I just want you to understand that, um, you know, there are people that, that know so much more. And so if you can read these books, if you can do these things, you'll, you'll shortcut. And so I'm hoping that I will help you, uh, help you to shortcut some of this. And... Uh, Looks like my, my camera's trying to record, but there's no, no camera, the memory card in. <laughs> um, but yeah, the point I was trying to make here is that I've spent a lot of money to learn these things. I've tested a lot of the things. In fact, the channel that I have currently, We Are Video Makers, started with a test of Google Ads because I was you know, working with a client and I had paid for this ads course and I wanted to see if Google Ads could be viable for growing a new channel. If it could be something that you know, you, you could fast track your growth on YouTube and you know, I did it. I was able to fast track and it's like, Oh, this is great. The consequences of that didn't show up until later. We're going to talk about that. Um, it did, however, teach me some things that do work for Google ads. You have to meet very, very specific parameters and 
95% of you listening to this aren't going to fit into those. Unless you, you know, if you have, I would say at minimum 100,000 subscribers, this tactic really isn't going to work for you well. Um, you know, it might, if you're in that 50 to 100,000 subscriber range, this might work for you, but it's not something I would focus on. And so I, I learned because the client that I was working with this on was, you know, over a quarter million subscribers. And it, when it works, it works incredibly well, as in, you know, almost triples ad revenue, doubles subscriber rate, doubles view rate. It works really well. But on new channels, on my channel, when I did it, it did not work well. It, 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 I suffered a lot of consequences, and we'll talk about that. So the, the consequences that I suffered with this is that, again, I was feeding YouTube false data. And I did this very carefully. And so how I did this, um, you know, I, I won't go too in-depth because I don't want to bore you for those of you who aren't going to be using this strategy. But I took a specific YouTube video that I thought you know, would bring in the type of viewer that I wanted. I hyper-targeted certain YouTube videos. So the YouTube videos that that person would watch, those were the only videos that this ad would show up on. And then, you know, I ran the ad and the problem was I was showing it in countries all over the world. The problem is there was no qualifier for who was finding that video. It wasn't a pre-roll ad, it was a discovery ad. So like if you search something, it came up as a search result, as a promoted search result. But again, the problem is I built a really big audience outside of my demographic. My demographic is mostly, you know, within the United States and or, you know, other English speaking countries. And I built a very large audience in India and in Brazil and in other places because it's cheaper to show ads there. And so when I created other content, and here's the problem, is that it was shown to an audience who wasn't in my demographic, who actually wasn't in that circle that I had drawn in the sand. And again, I, YouTube was confused as far as who it was that I was actually talking to. And now this is, again, it's a different channel than the one previously, but on you know my muscular style channel, the channel we talked about earlier, what I started doing instead of you know promoting these videos, instead of always sending them into random groups or in Facebook or LinkedIn or all of these other places, which I do have acquaintances, I do have friends, I do have people that wanna support me, they're not the right people. And so I just create, I just started doing my own thing, just you know make the videos. And eight months later, I had a video that went mini viral. And this one I did actually test some ads with, and you know, wanna be fully transparent here, but it had already done really, really well. You know, it had on a channel with five or 600 subscribers, I think at the time before I did anything with it, it had, I wanna say like 15 or 20,000 views. So just way more than my channel. And then also it was bringing in affiliate sales. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. I just made like $2,000, this is, crazy and so i threw a little bit of ads at it and it did better and so it's like oh well maybe i should do a little bit more and so i did a little bit more i think i ended up spending i don't even know what it was six or seven hundred dollars on ads just because i was i was excited i was testing i wanted new i wanted data and um i accidentally stumbled upon the process that i use now for larger channels for very very specific circumstances and it happened to do well but that video ended up selling $100,000 for the t-shirts and I ended up making $15,000 from a video with less than a thousand subscribers, you know, minus the five or $600. And so it was fantastic. It worked well. And I thought that could work on <laughs> new channels generally. That's absolutely not the case. And, um, so the, the thing there though, was YouTube already had a tremendous amount of data compared to all of my other content. And so I had drawn the circle in the sand and it had tested this video 20,000 times within the circle 
sometimes with, you know, outside the circle, but mostly within, and it found the right audience and it kept suggesting it. And that is a keyword that you're going to want to listen to suggested it and it kept growing and it grew organically. It grew well and you know, it, it did what it was supposed to do. And what that did was then gave data to YouTube to show my other videos to that same audience. And so, you know, feeding and teaching YouTube, the correct data that you need is absolutely essential. So, um, we can't really talk about how to do that on this, <laughs> on this episode. Um, we did talk about it, um, in a previous one. So, um, and actually on the YouTube channel, but that's the big mistake. Teach the YouTube algorithm, what it is that you're talking about, who you're talking to and you know, what question you answer. If you can do that, YouTube will do a, an incredible, incredible job at finding the right audience. And, you know, that leads us into mistake number two and mistake number two, you're going to, <laughs> you're going to be very surprised and shocked at, and I'm going to get a lot of visceral, you know, reactions to this. I know this because I've posted content on it and I always get people fighting me on this. Um, but from my experience, from experience of other creators that I've, I've watched, I've listened to, this is a very real thing. So focusing on search based keywords and search based titles is the second mistake. And the reason it's the second mistake is that 75 to 80% of all the views on YouTube comes from, from suggested. It comes from either the video popping up on your homepage or YouTube suggesting it as the next video or, you know, any sort of you know way that YouTube is able to suggest this video. 25, you know, 20 to 25% of views comes from search and comes from someone lit, you know, actually typing in the exact thing or something similar to what you've titled your video. And so, you know, we have a very literal 80, 20 rule here. And so if you are you know, just starting, I, I do think focusing a little bit on search for the first five or 10 videos is probably a really good way to make sure that YouTube knows what audience to show your content to. And you, you need to teach you know, your, you know, the algorithm, YouTube algorithm, what your audience looks like, what your content looks like. And so if you've drawn this circle in the sand, like we, we mentioned earlier and at the center of that, you know, from, we are video makers, the, the question that I answer, and this is something all of you need to figure out and understand for your channel. Um, I don't, I, I still believe somewhat that this, this can work, but I used to very much believe that you need to speak to an avatar, a person that you've created in your mind that represents the person that would watch your content. Problem with that is you might end up creating content that you don't like. You might create, you know, end up miserable in the thing that you're supposed to love and really making decisions off of something or someone else that doesn't even exist because you've made them up. And so the thing that I like better and the thing that I've really been developing for, you know, coaching clients and things like that is, you know, and this quote is actually from Rory Vaden, amazing, amazing personal branding coach, but he says, what question are you the answer to? And I love that because if I'm answering a question, it's no longer for a specific person. And so it's opened this up a bit more while still remaining specific. And so for my, we are video makers channel. If your question is how do I build my personal brand and, and or business with YouTube, you know, to make an impact, to get more revenue, to insert your reason there. That's, that's my question that I answer. And so when I want to talk about, you know, for example, a video that I did was, uh, I got a new camera. It's the Fuji X-H2S. I absolutely love it. I need to make more videos because I think it's the perfect social media camera. 
and there's a few reasons why. We're not going to get into those in this episode, but um, I, I was excited about it. And for my avatar that I used to have, you know, his name was Derek. Derek doesn't necessarily care what camera he has. He doesn't necessarily care to spend $2,500 on a camera body. That's no lens, no nothing, just the camera body. He's not necessarily that excited for it. Personally, I was over the moon about it and I had very specific things I had to do to be able to get the camera, like you know, goal-wise. You know, I, I made some goals for myself and I rewarded myself for hitting those goals. And I absolutely love it. I could, I could sit down and talk to someone for hours about it. When I'm talking to the avatar, when I'm talking to Derek that I created, it doesn't make sense. It's not a good thing to do because he doesn't care. He really, really does not care. Now, when I'm answering the question, you know, how, you know, how can you use YouTube to build your personal brand and your business, make an impact, get more revenue, a business owner, someone building a personal brand, they, they probably, and I know this from speaking with entrepreneurs and business owners, they want a camera that's easy, that's plug and play, and that isn't too complicated. They just, they just want the content creation process to be easy. Now, the other thing that's underlying there, though, is they want their content to look absolutely phenomenal. And um, they also typically want to be on more platforms than just YouTube, you know, TikTok, Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels, um, you know, vertical content of some sort. And one of the things that the Fuji does is one of the settings on it will allow you to crop horizontally for YouTube for any long form and vertically better than most cameras. The problem is when you crop vertically, for some, is it just, it's too tight. It, it, it squeezes you in because there's not enough room. The, the footage on this camera is a little bit extra tall. So you have a little bit more cropping room, so it looks a little more natural. It looks like you actually framed up the camera specifically for it when you didn't. And so it's more efficient. It takes time out of having to set your camera up specifically for each type of content or to kind of have a terrible compromise of both. And in answering my question, the question I answer, that absolutely makes sense to answer because I'm excited about it. I am absolutely you know, ecstatic to be able to share something that I love and it's solving part of the problems that this question um, you know, brings up. So talking about these two different things absolutely makes a difference. It, it sounds like a small differentiation, but it is huge. And honestly, when you're focusing on the type of content you're going to create, your search results, your titles, your content, you know, keywords, all those things. When you address it in these two different ways, you're going to get different results. And so, um, that's kind of a little primer on, you know, niching down. Uh, you know, I, I definitely will do a full episode on this, but the thing is here that in answering this question, you know, let's use the Fuji uh, camera as an example. So if I'm focusing on search, if I'm focusing on keywords, what I'm likely going to do is I'm, I'm going to use my keyword research tools, which I do. And I still think you should do, even if you're focusing on suggested, and we'll, we'll talk about how to do that. But I figure out what the most commonly searched determines for this with the lowest competition. And so one of them is um, Fujifilm, at least you know, at the time of recording that video was, uh, I think it was Fujifilm X-H2S um, versus XS10, something like that. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, perfect camera for YouTube in 2022 was also a, a you know, popular search term. And so I kind of combined the two and, you know, very searchable. I got a lot of search traffic. It really did, but there was an element here that helped it to get suggested. And that was 
that was great. And then the title, I'm trying to remember what the end of the title was that helped it. Um, but I do, I do use TubeBuddy. I do A-B testing on all of my videos. I typically don't like to A-B test the titles, but you know, as I've been really trying to focus on getting suggested content, I want to see what titles get more suggested views, even if it does, it drops it out of search ranking uh, because you're changing the title. And that could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. If we're focused on the 80% of the work that gets us 20% of the results, you know, getting search so that we can get 20% of our views, that makes, you know, we, we don't want to change the title. We don't want to test these things. We don't want to mess up the good thing that YouTube has going as far as ranking uh, this in search. But if we're focused on the 20% of work to get the 80% of the results to get YouTube to suggest your video, you're going to want to test these things. You're going to want to figure them out early on. And that way, as you grow, you're doing the right things. And so a little sacrifice earlier on, in my opinion, is worth the, the payoff at the end. And so I do, you know, A-B test with TubeBuddy and it changes the title every day. I Thumbnails are the better way to go here because it's not changing any kind of ranking, any kind of anything, but you will get some really good data. Um, but for this, I, I think the title that I was testing was uh, Fujifilm might just might have made the best camera for social media ever. And you can see the difference there. Did I mention X-H2S? No, I didn't. That's something that people will search in the thumbnail. You can see the X-H2S. And so if you are looking for the X-H2S, you know what it looks like. You'll see it in the thumbnail and you'll click it. It's also in the description. So if you do search, likely it'll still pop up for search. But if this video is suggested, now instead of saying Fujifilm X-H2S versus X-S10, the perfect camera for YouTube full review, like something very mechanical, very optimized for a, a robot or a computer system. Now, you know, the title Fujifilm just might have made the best camera for social media ever. That's intriguing to you. That's your, hmm, okay. Maybe I'll click on this. And again, the thumbnail is the first thing they're going to see. So you need to optimize that. But I, I want you to notice here there's a difference. If this video is suggested, the first title, the search based title, doesn't really intrigue you unless you very much want to know the difference between the X-H2S and the X-S10, which you probably would have already searched if that's really what you want to know. Um, when I released the video, it was right after the pre-launch, or not the pre-launch, the uh, release of the X-H2S. Not a lot of people had had them, so it did get suggested as well. The thing here, though, is that I could have done a better job, and um, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm still learning a lot, and that's why I'm here. I'm here to share my journey. These are my mistakes. These are the top three mistakes I see when I'm working with other clients as well, but these are mistakes that I made, and I don't want you to make the same ones. So I know some of you are thinking this, that, okay, well, that's great, but if I get a lot of search-based you know, results, a lot of search-based used, shouldn't YouTube think, oh, this is a great video, let's suggest it, and let's, you know, you get traffic that way. You would think that, but the problem is when you're thinking from the frame point of searchable content, how you create your content becomes much more search-based. And so you're focused on these keywords. And so whether consciously or subconsciously, you create content in a specific way that meets the title, that meets that searchability. And it's no longer as, you know, I want to say connective, that's not really the right word, but you, you don't resonate with the content as much because it is a little bit more mechanical. It is a little bit more, you know, step one, step two, step three. And you know, point one, point two, point three of why this camera is the best camera. 
instead of me connecting with you a bit and leading with, you know, this might be the best camera ever. Let's, let's find out if it is. It's, it's a bit of intrigue. It's more, it's better storytelling and YouTube will, even if you, if you optimize for search, if it is good enough to be suggested, YouTube will suggest it. It'll test it and it might do well. You never know. Some of my videos that are search-based do get some, some suggestion, but it wasn't created with that framework in mind. It wasn't created with suggested in mind. And so you need to optimize for people for, you know, intrigue, for the psychology of your viewer. Why are they coming to your channel? What do they want to see? What would they click on? Why would they click on it? How long would they want to watch? This is a huge one because, you know, this video ended up being about six minutes long. If, you know, if I'm coming from it, from the psychology of, you know, I really don't care how much I spend as an entrepreneur or business owner, they, that's not true. They do. <laughs> we do. Um, but if they're, if the point is, I just want the best camera, you know, reasonably priced. I don't want to buy another one down the road. And I just want it to do everything I need it to. Fujifilm X-H2S is absolutely an excellent option. It is the answer, but I didn't come to it from that frame point. I came to it with, Hey, point one, two, three, four, five. Here are the reasons I like it because I was, I was focused more on search. And so, you know, creating that video around what they're expecting. You know, they are busy business owners. So maybe six minutes was a good length, but maybe I could have stretched it out to 10, told my story a little bit better, connected with it and helped them to understand that while they can buy a less expensive camera, this is probably a better option for them. So they don't have to worry about upgrading. They don't have to worry about certain things. They can in, you know, their efficiency of creating content from multiple platforms will be increased. And so that's, there are a couple of things that I could have put in there and I could have understood a little bit better because you need to understand the psychology of what it is that these people that are watching your content want. And, you know, one thing that I, I heard Russell Brunson say in, I think this is actually in his book, but he said, people that like to listen to podcasts, like to listen to podcasts. So if you're listening to this podcast, likely you like to listen to podcasts, especially if you made it to this point in the video. Um, you know, and you could, you could be watching this on, you know, a YouTube replay, uh, but likely you have it, you know, the video turned off and you're just listening in the background. Um, you know, it's, you have a certain way that you like to do things. And even if you like multiple formats, I can almost guarantee you have one platform that is kind of your mainstay. It's, it's your home. It's the thing that you like to watch or consume the most. And then you have these others that you also do, but what frame of mind do you go into each of these platforms with? I'm almost certain that if you are going in expecting to listen to a one hour long podcast episode, your, your mindset is such that you're ready for it. But if you opened an app like TikTok or some other short form content app and the video was an hour long, you, you would skip the video. You absolutely would because you don't have a good enough reason to watch and listen and to consume that content. And so you come to each platform, one with a different frame of mind, but two, you have certain types of content that you enjoy most. So if you enjoy 15 second funny videos the most, me doing a 10 minute review on a camera, it's probably going to be a little bit of a hard sell for me to get you to actually, you know, watch and consume and, you know, really inter you know, interact with. So, and, you know, speaking of interaction, if you are watching this on the YouTube channel, I would appreciate if you just comment with one thing that you've learned and just let me know if this is helpful and, uh, you know, what you like, if you're listening to this on whatever podcast, you know, uh, platform that you're on, just go ahead and it, if you've gotten enough value, go leave me a review. I appreciate it. If not, 
that's totally fine. But I think that the point here is understanding your viewer, your listener, who's consuming your content the most is essential. And if you can't do that, whether you focus on search or you focus on suggested, you're not going to do well. <laughs> search might be a little bit better, but um, yeah, you're going to do well. So what, what do I suggest? How do we fix this? When you first start, those first 10, 15 videos, absolutely make them search-based. This is you know, kind of going against what I suggested, but you need to teach YouTube where your audience lies. You need to teach them who's consuming your content. And search is one of the most targeted ways to do that. That's why it gets less views is because it is very, very targeted. After that, start expanding. Start expanding and making more suggested-based content, more storytelling, more connecting with you as a person. You know, less mechanical A, B, C, D, and more, you know, you know, A is important because blah, blah, you know, this happened and this happened, and this happened. And I realized that this is why you need this. It, it doesn't have to be the tech. I'm not saying just reviewing technical specs is bad, but it's a lot easier for you to connect with me. If I say, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we grew up and, you know, we were, we weren't very well off. I didn't know it until I was older, but I just always wanted a camera. I don't know why I, I always wanted one. And um, I finally, when I was 12, I combined all of my Christmas money and all my savings and all my birthday money because they were close. And, and I bought a camera and my, my son's camera has better you know, resolution than that camera did. But I loved it. I loved you know, acting out videos with my friends. I loved in high school, I was able to film. Um, you know, We did a Shakespeare class and we, we each had to make one of the books into a film. We made Othello. We used it on my camera. I did all the editing. I acted. I just, I loved it. It was amazing. And so you know, as I got older, I wanted a really nice camera for video. I could never afford it. And, um, you know, I finally started YouTube and a year and a half after that, I was able to afford just an entry level camera and it's, I, I won't get rid of it because there's so many good memories and, and just things that it reminds me of, but being able to get the Fujifilm X-H2S, it's like a crowning moment in you know my passion for video because it does everything I, I wished my, my, you know, younger boy self wished a camera could do. And I'm able to create the content I've always dreamed of with it. You can connect with that somewhere in that story. You have a, a past connection where you're like, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to do this. When I, like, you can connect with that, whether you're interested in the camera or not. But if it, instead I said, you know, the the Fujifilm X-H2S, the reason it's so amazing at videos, it films in 10-bit 422, and you can, you know, here are the formats or codecs that it can film in. Unless you're super nerdy and techie, like it's. You're like, I don't, one, know what that means. Two, I don't care. Three, what's your point? <laughs> In the first one, I didn't tell you any specs. I didn't tell you why it's so amazing. I told you my personal connection to it. And likely you felt a personal connection to it as well because we're sharing a human experience together when I do that. And so when I'm focusing on suggested content, I'm connecting it with human experience instead of optimizing for a computer algorithm. So just keep that in mind. Don't, don't focus on search. It is the 80-20 rule here. Focus on the 20% of the effort or the type of effort you should put in and put 80% of your effort there and get 80% of the results rather than you know the other way around. So the thing here that I find really, really important is that you learn to distinguish the difference between the two. And honestly, I'm still learning how to distinguish the difference between the two because on the outside, it looks very simple, and then you dig into it, and there's more to it. So continue to refine, continue to build, continue to do better, and uh, and you'll get there. 
And I, I did want to mention the the creator that I talked about. Um, you know, it's Jessica Stansbury. She actually has an incredible YouTube channel. She did a couple of videos on this actually, and she talked about how, and even podcast episodes. She talked about how search based content ruined her channel because you know she was growing quickly, and there were a couple of world events that that caused some of her her content to go viral. And you know, she had seasons because of the type of content she creates. But it would always like she was growing well, and she did she did it through really hard work. But then it hit a season where her channel basically started dying. It just stopped and things went down because instead of having the YouTube algorithm working to always try to find and, and bring her content to the right viewer, if people weren't searching that content, it, it no longer was being shown. And when it wasn't doing well in that search base, then YouTube would stop getting it up to the top of the search results. And so it's now YouTube is working against you. And she said that really, the big thing that helped was focusing on suggested content, focusing on things that allowed for her to connect with her viewer better as far as getting her content suggested. And you know, she blew up and she was already at 100,000, but stagnant for quite some time. And I remember following her before she hit 100,000 and seeing the stagnant, I was, I was like, I'm curious, why is this happening? And then she started like just absolutely rocketed. And I feel like this is something that, that we can all learn from. Well, Search-based content can you use it? Yes. Am I saying am I saying you shouldn't ever do search-based content? No. And you know, if you if you heard earlier and and put this together because it wasn't explicit, it's the 80/20 rule. 20% of your content absolutely can be search-based. And you know, you're you're not going to get, you know, as good of a result, but 20% of it could be search-based because you know, that'll give you you know, a small, a small result. You know, we're, we're flip-flopping this essentially. Most people focus 80% of their effort on things that get 20% of the results and 20% on what gets them 80%. We're swapping these. So we're focusing 20% on of our effort on the thing that gets us 20% of our results. So it's not going to get you a ton, but it could bring the right viewers. And then if it brings the right viewers, you're focusing 80% of your effort on the thing that gives you 80% of your results. And that you know, that suggested content, if you do it right, could be suggested to those search-based viewers. And then you kind of have this, this perfect storm of spiraling upward instead of, instead of downward. So I think that's, that's the, the thing that I would do there. Just understand that and um, do your absolute best to learn um, what it is to make search-based content. So um, the, the last mistake that we're going to talk about here is posting slowly at the beginning of your journey. And what this means is when you create content, it's easy to just say, Hey, I've heard multiple times over and over and over that, you know, being consistent is important. 100% true. Posting one time a week is enough to really, you know, get going. That can be true. And you know, that I just, I just need to do one good video a week. Yes and no. The problem here is that when you first start on your content creator journey, you might create content and and I don't I don't want to make anyone feel bad when I say this because I'm I'm thinking of my own content. But you do the very best you can. You watch tons of YouTube videos, you pay for courses, you and maybe invest in some gear because you really want to do this. You create the content, you watch it and you're like it's it's pretty good. It's okay. You might think, "Oh, it's not too bad." And you know, it, it really might not be, but the problem here is that you don't realize how bad it is. You don't realize how much better it could be 
until you've made 100 videos, 200 videos. I think I'm just, I think I'm at a, if you include short form content, I think I'm at about a thousand videos now. And it, you get so much better. So I look six months back and I am twice the creator I was six months ago. And there, there are a couple of tips, a couple of tricks you can use to accelerate this, but creating more content when you first get started is key, in my opinion. You know, there's, there's gonna be a lot of opinions on this, but I'm, I'm telling you this is a mistake I feel like I made because you know, when I first started We Are Video Makers, and I don't recommend this route specifically, but I made 30 YouTube videos, you know, not, not shorts, YouTube videos in 40 days. It was brutal. It, I don't recommend it, um, but I learned a lot. I learned what my voice was on this channel. I learned what I would like to talk about, what I don't like to talk about. I learned a lot about my camera setup. I, there were so many things, my audio, all these things that I was able to improve very, very quickly because I got a lot of reps in very fast. You know, it's kind of the difference of, you know, if you ever played sports, you know, should you practice once a week for three, four hours? Or, you know, when you're first getting going, as far as like getting back into the season, uh, really trying to master your skills, would you learn more if you went seven days a week for eight hours a day? I know that's a lot. But if you did that for two weeks, three weeks, your skill level compared to someone who's going once a week for four to eight hours, and you do eight hours if you want to do the same, like, I feel like that's way too long, but you know, you, you get the idea that the volume of practice is going to increase your skills just tremendously. And it, it is important to do that. So when you're first beginning, create more content. And I would say even be okay with it it's going to be worse than it would be if you were focusing on one a week. It really will be. But I feel like I learned way more in making those 30 videos in 40 days than I did the entire time I was doing my first YouTube channel because it was slow. I was, I was getting one rep in a week. I was getting one at bat a week. And that's not nearly enough to really hone your skills and to really create amazing content. Now, I know some of you are thinking, Zach, there's no way I'm going to create more than one YouTube video in a week. I just don't have the time. I don't have the ability and that's fine. There, there are two things that I would, I would say do here. And there's, there's a whole strategy around this. We're not going to really dive in completely to this, but find a testing platform. And what I mean by that is we're on YouTube. We're trying to make better videos, find a vertical format video and a vertical format video platform where you can create videos. Um, TikTok, great example. The other thing here is you need to make sure that it is a short lifespan of the video because you're testing, you're practicing. So could you upload these as YouTube shorts? Yes, but based on everything I'm seeing with what the algorithm is going to do as far as YouTube goes, I don't know that I'd recommend it be your test platform because um, it still does have the searchability. It still does have several different things that I don't think you're going to want to have your test videos like that there. So the nice thing, the thing that TikTok has done and has been incredible for, you know, there, there are lot, lots of good and lots of bad with every platform. TikTok's not an exception. And I think the one thing that it's done really well is it's removed the barrier from creating content. You know, Instagram was this overly polished, you know, unrelatable type content. And TikTok was the raw video. It was your iPhone, your smartphone. You know, so many people create content. It's still a lot less than you think percentage wise. Like I think the amount of pe you know, percent of people on TikTok that create content versus consume is like 5% or between five and 10% create content. It's still low, 
So there's definitely room there, but the, the lifespan, at least at the time of recording this is shorter. And so I can go and, you know, I, I actually did, I made, I think it was my first start of this channel, a hundred TikToks in like, I don't know what it was. It was like six weeks, maybe, um, you know, pretty, pretty condensed time frame. And I didn't really grow much. I honestly didn't at a hundred videos on TikTok, I had a hundred followers. And I, what I didn't realize is we're making YouTube videos on TikTok. Um, but I was getting reps in, I was practicing, I was getting better. And I finally started to figure out what works. And then I did, you know, th three videos a day, every day, I think maybe it was five days a week um, for three months straight. I got burnt out. I don't recommend that either. But the, the amount of reps that I got in of creating video content improved my YouTube content like crazy. And so there is something that you need to do here. You know, if you are going to create TikTok content with the intent or, you know, other vertical video content with the intent of improving your YouTube content. You don't just want to pull out your phone and just record whatever you want it to be a little bit better than that. Not, not too much that it's a barrier, but if you're, you know, practice filming with your camera, practice editing on your software, practice setting up your microphone, practice your lighting, you know, it, it's a short snippet. It's a short clip. And so you can watch this over and over and be like, Hmm, my lighting was a little bit off. Hmm. Something seems weird. Maybe, maybe I need to change camera settings. And if you're doing one video a day like that, you're going to grow much faster. Even if you're only posting once a week on YouTube, because you're creating and you're, you're getting in eight reps a week instead of one. And so you're going to grow much faster. And so, you know, posting at the beginning, Honestly, you know, the advice that I've heard from a lot of big creators is they say, get your first 100 videos out of the way. They are not like, they're going to be garbage and that's okay. And I have heard, you know, I've heard 50 as well. I've heard hundred, I've heard 30. Um, I think it just really depends on your skill level with where you're, what you've done in your past. As far as like, if you're a professional cinematographer, sorry, your first video is going to be great. Is it still going to need tweaks for YouTube? Absolutely. Because you're used to a higher level of production, higher level of workload that maybe is going to hinder you a little bit on YouTube. So you still need work. Don't, don't think that there's anyone just perfectly made for YouTube, but your skill sets that you're bringing to YouTube will very much determine how much you need to do, how much you need to improve, how much you need to grow. And so, um, you know, understand that posting more is better even if the content's not great even if you're not getting amazing views and part of the reason you don't want to do all these practice videos on your youtube channel is because sometimes it's just easier to make a topic that is a little less related and maybe wouldn't do too well on your youtube channel maybe you'll find out that a lot of people are interested in that topic i did a, a video recently on a piece of live streaming equipment it's a it's actually it's a yolo live box it, it does a lot of really cool things and um the thing here was, I, I was like, eh, I'll just test it. And it posted as a short, it got a, got a lot of views. Like, okay, people are actually interested in this thing. Or my video editing was just amazing. Either way, something about this was good and I need to emulate it. So I can go and I can test and I can learn and I can figure out what it was about that video that people actually liked and the reason why they watched that video and, and do it more. I mean, I need to, you need to, and I need to, we all need to double down on the things that are working best because the, the success leaves clues. I love this quote from Sean Cannell, success leaves clues. And so if you want to be successful, you need to do the things that are already making you successful. Um, and that's, you know, going back to that, um, strategy that we used earlier when you're using Google ads, again, I don't recommend this 98% of the time, 
But if you're going to use them, you're going to use them on content that is already doing incredibly, incredibly well. You already know it's successful. So why not put more support behind something that's already successful? Same thing with any of your other videos. If you have a video just absolutely take off and it is actually within the circle that you've drawn for YouTube, you know, there, there's a, a danger here that so many people just want their videos to go viral, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, whatever it is. They're like, I just, I don't care. I just want a viral video. If you're trying to build a personal brand, trying to build a business, you're trying to make an impact and you have a video of you dancing go viral or some silly, you know, or misfortunate <laughs> event happen and it goes viral and it has no value whatsoever to anything that you're providing, you are going to get a large audience outside of the circle that you've drawn in the sand. And then YouTube, whatever platform you're on is going to show your content to the wrong audience. And every single time it takes your content that's about social media or about, you know, your, your specific field. And it shows it to the, you know, 14 year old in you know another country who has absolutely no idea what you do and doesn't care it's not gonna do well they're gonna click on it and click off and youtube's gonna say oh that's not a great video okay next person oh that's not a great video next person it's like i don't understand they just had a video that did really really well and now we're getting data saying they don't make good content so we're not going to suggest this video and that video dies and maybe as you fix your audience later on it's able to be shown again, but the problem is if you, if you really go viral and you really get a large audience that way, it's going, it could absolutely kill your channel. Now, I, through all of this, I know that some of you again are thinking, okay, but I've heard, and maybe this is a rumor based on what I'm hearing you say that YouTube treats every video equally. They, they don't, they don't give preferential treatment and that is true. But the thing that you're not understanding here is just because it's equal doesn't mean it's the same. And so for your channel, say you have 2000 subscribers, you have a certain amount of data on who your audience is that YouTube can use to show your videos to. And so at 2000 subscribers, the data pool is very small and it's going to test in that small data pool. If you have 100,000 subscribers on YouTube and you have tens of millions of views, YouTube has tens of millions of data points and even more than that, honestly, um, to know who to show your content to. And so when both channels upload, even say the exact same video, I mean, you, you wouldn't want to do that. There'd be issues there, but video on the same topic done in the creator's style, same video link, same everything. The one with the bigger channel will get more views because YouTube has more places to share it, more places to test it. And it can do better because it is very targeted. They know exactly, exactly where that creator's line in the sand ends and begins. The smaller channel, they don't. The smaller channel, they're still learning. It's, it's deep learning. It, it, it's AI. It is an algorithm, but it has to learn. It has to learn what works and what doesn't. And it's your job when you're first beginning to teach it what works and what doesn't. Because if, if you don't teach it that, it's not going to be able to show it. And you have to be okay with getting less views when you have less data that you've given YouTube. And if you're not okay with that, this is going to be a long journey for you. It's going to be hard. Um, it's hard enough as is, but it will be more difficult because you've decided to, to have expectations on a computer, <laughs> computer algorithm or your ability to trick, manipulate, or, you know, influence this algorithm. And the reason he's trick and manipulate is because it is, it is a lot of people that think that, oh, I'm going to go viral really, really quickly. And can that happen? Yes, there are creators that have done that, but they 
are very calculated. They know exactly what they're doing. It's not a guess. You know, a lot of these times they'll have mentors that have done it. And I'm always shocked. I'm not shocked anymore, but um, the first time I heard it when, um, you know, Mr. Beast, Jimmy, he, he talked about some friends that had channels that just eh, the videos weren't doing great. And he went and coached them on their next video. And that next video got hundreds of thousands and actually I think even millions of views. It's skill. It is not luck. There was no, he didn't artificially inflate anything. He didn't shout it out. Like it, it just, he knows exactly what it takes to make a video in his niche. And honestly, he's obsessed enough. He could help pretty much any creator at this point, I think, but it's skill, it's knowledge, it's wisdom. And you, you need to understand that there is a delta. There's a, a gap or space between what you know and what you need to know to be as successful on YouTube as you want to be. And these three mistakes are ones that I don't want you to make. I made them and sometimes I continue to make them. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't post consistently or as often as I should. Um, maybe, you know, I think because it's so ingrained in me because I did it for years that focusing on search is the best thing to do when really I need to go out on a limb and just trust that if I make the right content, it'll be shown to the right person. I need to get the algorithm on my side and, and give it what it wants. And I need to understand that when a video doesn't do well, unless I have a very specific community, a very specific group of people that are actually interested in, you know, what I have to offer, something like that might be an email list. If someone signed up for my email list, I'm pretty sure they're interested in what I have to offer. Um, if they're on my TikTok account, that is other content just like this, they're probably interested. Like there are very specific circumstances where I could share this, but I'm not sharing it on Facebook to my friends or my family. I'm not just going into groups and trying to trying to pump views to it because it's feeding it false data. It's not actually helping. Now, are there times that I do post quite a bit because I have a special video? Yeah, but I have to be super targeted and very careful about where I share that, how I share that, and how much I share it. And you need to do the same thing. You cannot try to artificially inflate this because if you do, you'll give YouTube false data and then you have to spend time correcting that data and moving, you know, where YouTube thinks your audience is over to actually where your audience is. And so you don't, you don't want to have to do this extra work. You don't want to have to put in all this effort and just, oh, there's so much to it. So, um, you know, that is the, uh, the podcast episode for today. I want to thank you for listening. If you're up to this point, if you got value from this, I'd appreciate a comment or a view or something, just letting me know one thing that you learned. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. Make sure to tune back in on Friday. We are going to have Chris Doe on the podcast. He is phenomenal. If you don't know who Chris Doe is, you need to know who Chris Doe is. He has built over 2 million subscribers on YouTube. He's built multiple successful multi-million dollar businesses. He has been a mentor of mine and he has really impacted and shaped my career. So I'm happy to bring him on and he's going to help us to learn how to grow on YouTube in 2022, as well as build our businesses and make money doing what we love. So I'll see you on Friday. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you haven't already listened some of the past episodes, I wanted to give you a couple of options. So here are a couple of guest episodes that you might like. On episode one, we learned how Sev grew to 1.1 million followers on TikTok. Episode three, how to make money streaming on Amazon Live. Episode five, we learned how Chris Doe grew to 2 million subscribers and what he would do if he were starting over in 2022. Episode seven is how an 18-year-old built a five-figure a month business on TikTok. And episode nine is how to grow and monetize your podcast. I hope one of those sounded interesting to you. If they did, I'll see you in the next episode. If not, make sure to go to the show notes and connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know who my next guest should be be.